Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 I've begun using a really cool service from Aviva IQ, and it's made my life so much easier. My guests love receiving all the important details about their stay exactly when they need it. And I love all the five-star reviews I'm getting on communication. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm talking to my co-host, Sylvia Lee, who is head of marketing of Hostly. Sylvia, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, it was fun to chat to you about the news. There's a lot of news this week in the world of Airbnb, so uh, I'm excited to discuss everything that's going on. What, what do you think is the most interesting uh, news item of the week? I think there are two things. I think we can start with the fact that Airbnb just raised more money, and that's something that I think all of us were sort of expecting. I think it was whether they were going to go IPO or that they were going to raise money. What are your thoughts about it? Well, it's interesting because, you know, last week we talked about the news that was going to come out on Tuesday, which we'll mention later. But we were wondering if it had to do anything to do with the IPO. You know, we're kind of discussing how we all thought that wasn't going to happen. And then they came out with this news item that they raised another billion dollars. Well, I've, there's a few thoughts that I have. First of all, it's interesting because they already have a lot of money. I think yep. you and me actually talked about this like three or four weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I wonder why they raised even more, but I think it's part of sort of the same round that they initiated in the fall of last year when they raised about half a billion. And now I think they finished the round with another half a billion, making the total of $1 billion. And I guess one of the reasons why they're doing it is to to extend their uh, private face and to sort of postpone the IPO. Totally. I think just based on the article, it just seems like, of course, they want to cover all the things related to travel and the new money and the profits that they've been making will be used to acquire more companies in the space instead of them just going and then hiring a team to just build something from scratch. Right, that's that's exactly right. So I'm I'm curious to see what kind of you know companies they're going to acquire because they have so much cash now. I mean, they acquired luxury retreats a few weeks mm -hmm. ago for a couple hundred million dollars, I believe. So that would I think their biggest acquisition. So yep. it'll be interesting to see what else they're going to buy. Yeah, I think part of it it's probably tackling the corporate travel. Business, it's still. I know that Airbnb still has like a small business there, but I think there was an article that said that they wanted to expand on that. And actually, Craigslist is the one that owns a large percentage of that market, and they want to be able to tackle those folks. Right. That leads into another article that came out about how Airbnb wants to expand their long-term 
the sublet business. Yeah, it will, it will be interesting what to see what happens there. Because they already have a, a sublet part of the website. And I think a lot of people don't know this, but you go to airbnb.com slash sublets. There's a there's a separate section of the website where you can book stays of of up to six months actually, but they they've never really really focused on it. They don't really promote this part of the website. And honestly, if I'm looking at some of the listings that are on there, then mm-hmm. I understand why because it's I mean this is so expensive. Yeah, yeah. I think it can also be because they have so many verticals and it hasn't been it has been hard for them to just focus on that and grow it. And I think for this specific market, you need partnerships with large corporations. And I mean, just having it on the site, it makes it a little bit hard for people to just go and search it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting that uh, Craigslist actually is the, the major player in the sublet space, right? Yeah. I mean, you. I feel like at this point, I would have actually expected that someone else owned that market. Since, I mean, Craigslist, still a lot of people use it, but the site hasn't, you know, it's still pretty outdated. It's still decently hard to use, but there's still a lot of people that uses it. And I guess the reason might be because a lot of the folks that rent these properties tend to actually be older. And I think they're more familiar with Craigslist than with any other platform. It's funny, you know, when I moved to the US, there was two things that surprised me. The first thing that surprised me was that people still use paper checks. Oh, yes. <laughs> the second thing that surprised me was that was Craigslist. I remember I looked at it and I was like, wait, am I, I just moved to the, the country that's, you know, supposedly like the most technology advanced and stuff like that. And I was like, and you guys use Craigslist? Like this looks like shit. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember, I actually right now, you know, whenever I'm searching for apartments, I actually still go to Craigslist to see if there are any openings. Even though it looks kind of sketchy, I think it's the place where you can see the most amount of listings. And the interesting thing is that Airbnb actually used Craigslist Mm -hmm. in 2009 when they were trying to get more traction. And they, uh, one of the founders uh, supposedly devised a system to email thousands of Craigslist users, encouraging them to migrate their, their home and apartment listings to Airbnb. So that's, that's kind of funny. Yeah, it's really ironic. But I think they're going back and then seeing what they can do to take advantage of that. Another interesting news item that came out was about the Chinese sort of Chinese version of Airbnb. And you know, you know, it's interesting. Like China is such a big market. And what they tend to do is they, they tend to copy, you know, things that are that become popular in the West. But because it's such a big market, their copycats actually, you know, sometimes become bigger than you know than the, the companies that started in in the West, right? I think Didi is a good example, right? Isn't Didi doesn't Didi have more users than than uh, Uber? Uber, yes. It's sort of Interesting how, well, Uber spent a lot of money in China to get Didi's users. But because Didi actually has really tight connections with the government and their integrations with Chinese apps are actually really good. So most most Chinese users have WeChat. And for those who don't know, WeChat isn't like a messaging app, sort of like Facebook Messenger or like the regular iMessage. But WeChat works as like basically your credit card 
you can all like integrate any apps. And I think because most Chinese folks use WeChat and have an integration with Divi, they've been able to just you know increase their distribution and, and get more customers. And then I guess it, it's the same case with Tiaozhu and Zhubai, the Airbnbs of China, where they actually have integrations with Chinese apps like WeChat. Right, it's interesting. I had never heard of this company Xiaochu. Had you heard of them? I've never heard of Xiaochu, but I've actually heard of Zhubai. Zhubai Jia. Okay, that's is that another Airbnb in China or? I guess those two are the biggest ones, but I'm, I feel like I've heard of a company called Duchia. It's I I heard that I, like that one was one of the biggest ones, but who knows? I mean, they probably have different businesses that are sort of similar. Do you speak Chinese, by the way? Because I feel like you are much better at pronouncing uh, these these companies than I am. My parents are from Guangzhou, so they speak Cantonese and Mandarin, but I only speak Cantonese. My Mandarin is okay, but I can pronounce Chinese words decently well, I think. (laughs) I I, I noticed. Some other interesting things is this is an article in the South China Morning Post, which Mm -hmm. is actually owned by Alibaba. And it kind of argues that even though these companies kind of copied what Airbnb was doing, they've also managed to come up with some innovations that then Airbnb took from them. At least that's what they argue. Yeah. I think one of the ones that they mentioned was Airbnb trips, if I'm not wrong. And they were saying that they actually came out with that before. And then they joked around in the office saying that, oh, now... Silicon Valley is actually behind us and we're actually the ones innovating. <laughs> yeah, and they also they have part-time cleaning ladies that they train and they link them to hosts, which is also a service that Airbnb doesn't provide. But I think Airbnb had a pilot at some point in San Francisco where they were trying to link cleaning people with, with Airbnb hosts. Yeah, I think for, for the market in China, it is so much easier to link that, like cleaning services in, in the Airbnbs of China, because the amount of money you pay for cleaning services is so much lower than what you pay like here in San Francisco, just in the US or Europe in general. So, I mean, for them to have just come up with all these cool features and services, it's something that people want, but it's hard to push in the US market. Right. And another thing that they provide is they have managers that actually go to people's homes to meet the hosts and to help them and to give them some advice on on how to start their Airbnb business. Yeah, and that's actually amazing because I would say like if my parents were hosts and they're like traditional Chinese, I think they still don't really have a good understanding of the term home sharing and having someone that comes to your house and, you know, shares best practices or things that they need to do i think it's such a good way for people in the community to learn what it's like to share a home with someone absolutely yeah i think it's really good and but again i I don't know if it's possible to do that in the u.s or europe because of Mm. because of the cost right but i can totally see how in china especially outside the big cities you would probably need to offer some support to locals because i think over there it's not you know it's not very used to you know to having people stay at your home like totally. having strange strangers like stay at your home totally hosts 
Does it feel like you're spending way too much time responding to questions from your Airbnb guests? Is the fear of a possible bad review keeping you up at night? I recently learned about a really helpful service called Aviva IQ. With Aviva IQ, my workload and worries have reduced dramatically. All I had to do was link my Airbnb listings to Aviva IQ, create my messages and schedule delivery times. That's it. I can't believe how easy it was to set up. Now I can sit back and relax knowing that my guests receive all the important details on time, every time. Everybody sleeps better. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Awesome, let's move on to the next article. So last week we were talking about a meeting that was going to take place at the Airbnb headquarters on Tuesday where there was going to be a big announcement. And we were, we were thinking potentially that it would have something to do with the IPO, but it didn't have anything to do with that, actually. So what they did is they invited a bunch of hosts from all around the world, and they told them that they want to be more involved with the hosts. I think Brian Chesky is going to do like Facebook live sessions, and he's he wants to be easier to contact and he wants to be in touch with a number of hosts to sort of get their feedback on a you know, more regular basis. Yeah, I think I was actually on Twitter. And then I saw that, one, he tweeted that picture with all the hosts. And two, I saw that he changed his Twitter bio to head of community and CEO. Uh, and I was like, oh, interesting. And then the article came out saying that, you know, they wanted more hosts to be involved, to come to board meetings and, you know, share their insights so that the product and the company can improve. So this is something that I think they were definitely planning to do at some point. And and it's great because it it allows them to connect with the hosts and have a better understanding of their needs. Right. And I think they also want to increase their what they call host clubs. This is something that we talked about uh, a few weeks ago with Emily Lieberman. She's part of the of the department that organizes these host clubs. And I think they, they have 114 now and they want to increase it to 1,000 by the end of 2018. Yeah, that's amazing. Have you been to one? Actually, I don't know. I don't think I have been to one. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to know what it's like to be in one. I've actually heard few people that actually have been heavily involved in host clubs and the reason why was because they actually live in communities where it's not like San Francisco or Amsterdam where there are a bunch like a lot of hosts but instead they live in small cities and they just want to get to know other hosts so that they can learn from each other and and talk about home sharing and the on-demand economy and best practices. Right and you know I think the the reason why they want to expand this so much is that the hosts actually play a pretty important role in you know having a voice to local regulators. Yep. You know, the article states that more than 5,700 Airbnb hosts have attended the political event and about 10,700 hosts have contacted an elected official regarding Airbnb. So I think they recognize that, you know, the hosts are to sort of mobilize the host is a very important aspect of trying to, you know, get favorable Airbnb regulation in different places. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is huge because if 
their company is parts of the company are struggling because of regulations. So pretty smart move, as you mentioned, to have folks that are locally involved right now with policies to, you know, fight for Airbnb rights. Since, I mean, Airbnb already has literally an army of lawyers in Washington, D.C. fighting for the, all these laws. But now having more hosts involved and voicing their opinions will help a lot. Right. And this article was actually put up uh, on Skift. It was put up by uh, Diana Ting, who was actually on the podcast last week. And so it's funny because we were discussing this, the meeting that was going to take place on, on uh, last week on Tuesday. And now um, I actually read the story uh, that was put up by her. By the way, uh, if you want to stay updated on these on these news stories that we talk about, there's also a Facebook group called Airbnb News. And I always post these news updates there. I also put them in my uh, weekly newsletter for which you can sign up at getpaidforyourpet.com. Anyway, let's move on to the next item, which is a party that took place. <laughs> now, there's always these horror st- stories in the news, right, about Airbnb. Yeah. If you if you, if you look at uh, Airbnb news, you just Google Airbnb news, which is something that I do quite often. And, <laughs> you know, it's usually 80% of the, of the news stories are, you know, focus on a few times that, you know, it actually, something terrible happens. And usually I, I don't want to put too much attention on it because these stories already get so much news coverage right. that I feel like I don't need to to be uh, emphasizing those stories. But this one I, I thought was pretty funny, so I, I wanted to discuss it. What, what do you think? Honestly, I saw it just somewhere on my Facebook feed and I'm like, oh my goodness. I feel, one, I feel so bad for the hosts, the owners of the house. And for the neighbors, but at the same time, the person that actually hosted the party really, like, I mean, he crossed the line. But that's something that can happen to anyone. And how do you prevent that, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't really prevent it. You know, you could do due diligence on your guests, but... Right. But you know what? I mean, I could... I have... I don't know how many positive reviews I have as a, as an Airbnb guest, but a lot. But hey, I could rent a, somebody's place and, and throw a party. But this party was was uh, it was not just a party. The neighbors <laughs> described it as it sounded like they were close to one of the major nightclubs near their neighborhood. The people they invited up to two hundred party goers. They hired a DJ. They hired a bouncer. I mean, they, 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 yeah, they sold tickets. I mean, they literally turned this unit into a nightclub, which, <laughs> I mean, this, uh, this takes some organization, you know? This is not just renting an Airbnb like and inviting some friends. This is like a proper organization behind it almost. And what's, what I also find was funny is that it took until 4.30 a.m. before the police cleared the place, which is kind of like incredible because if you have 200 people you know, dancing, music, making noise, right. then you would it think that, so I mean, it takes, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like you would expect that within five minutes, people are calling the police. Yeah, that's surprising. So, I mean, that's surprising to me because, damn, it took them like the whole night to just call the police or maybe who knows, maybe they did call the police and the police just, it took them time to come. 
Yeah, well, one thing that explains it partly is that, you know, when the, it says the police came at 3 a.m., but they didn't want to go in because they, they were scared, basically. They felt, oh, this <laughs> God, there's so many people, uh, you know, we don't want to get involved in, in, uh, in some sort of fight or something. So they, they stood outside the apartment for about an hour and a half waiting for backup because it stated that our officers could not enter safely and had to call police for assistance. Because of the numbers involved, extra police then had to be requested. And as a result of this action, the party closed and all left. So I guess everybody was done partying before the police was even ready to, to end it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, nothing crazy happened. Like no one destroyed the house, which is good. And I mean, I think... Unfortunately, things like this will happen. It's funny for us, but unfortunately not for the host. So I wonder if, you know, Airbnb will take any extra precautions. Who knows? Yeah, in Scotland Yard, uh, the this took place in England, by the way. Uh, Scotland Yard is kind of like the FBI or something, right? And they said <laughs> that uh, no criminal offenses were apparent and officers, police officers merely maintained a presence until the party concluded. Airbnb has, by the way, uh, banned this particular guest from the Airbnb website, which doesn't come as a surprise. Yeah. Um, the owner of the place, the or the host, he wasn't there. He was on holiday, so he couldn't really do anything. I think he was in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. The neighbor told the owner who was in Vietnam what was going on, and he told her to call the police. He felt terrible, couldn't do anything. And, you know, he's been using Airbnb for a long time, and he, it's never been an issue, so... And this took place in a tiny little community. It's called Islington. I think it's near London. Yes, it's near London. Anyway, you know, these are still, it's very rare, I think, still that stuff like this happens. But, but you know, the it does happen sometime. And sometimes there's pretty funny stories. Like a couple of weeks ago when I, when I interviewed uh, Jen, who had a wedding at this oh, Airbnb yeah. in, uh, in Northern California. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Just it's all these funny stories, but it's funny because you you cannot really prevent what's happening unless you're there. Yeah, exactly. You never know what your guests will do at your place. I think we've gone through all of the headlines. Is there anything else we need to discuss? I don't think so. I think it's Airbnb is moving fast, even though it's a huge company at this point. So I, I wouldn't be surprised that in the next upcoming weeks we'll get more news about either acquisitions, more community work, and, you know, improving their relationships with, with local hosts and so on. Right. Awesome. Well, let's conclude this episode. And by, by the way, I'm in uh, sunny Brazil right now, Whoa. which is uh, pretty awesome. I'm in Florianopolis, the, one of my favorite places in the world, a beautiful island in the southeast of Brazil it is. And it's uh, 25, 30 degrees here every day. Sun shines. There's That's a beautiful amazing. lake. There's a beach. And, food. Uh, yeah, I've, I think I've probably gained at least two or three pounds since I got here. <laughs> uh, it's very hard in Brazil to you know, eat healthy and not yeah. go out and drink a lot of beer, basically. Yeah, uh, because that's what Brazilians love doing, and I kind of enjoy that too. So, <laughs> that's but it's awesome. uh, it's great times. Yeah, totally. Brazil is actually one of the few. Whenever I think about Brazil, I'm like, oh, you know, everyone looks so happy in Brazil, and it really wants to make you go again and again. 
I know. It's pretty funny how here, you know, there's some problems in this country, you know, there's, sure. uh, I mean, right now it's, the country's in crisis and there's, yep. everybody's kind of complaining about the corruption and, you know, it's, it's pretty tough for people to, to survive here because for some reason it's pretty expensive, you know, but if you look at how, uh, how much people are making, I always wonder how they are able to afford things, but then. You know, people here just they kind of shrug it off. You know, they they're just like, oh, if we have a problem, we just ah, let's go to let's go to the beach and have a beer, and you know, forget about it. It's a very positive attitude that people have. Yeah, it's something that I realized as I grew up in Peru, seeing so many people that you know, compared to U.S. standards, they probably don't make that much. But then you look at them and they just you know look happy, and you know that's when you realize that as long as you have family and friends. And- in a good time, then that's already enough. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that piece of wisdom, uh, we'll conclude this episode. So, Sylvia, thank you very much for joining and co-hosting this episode with me today. Of course. Thank you so much. It's been a blast as always. And I think we'll speak to each other again in about three or four weeks. Yep. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Sylvia, and thanks everybody for listening. And of course, next week on Thursday, there'll be another episode in which we discuss the news of next week. So hopefully we'll see you then. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.